Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hot Take Hot Box on the eve of the Phillies' first playoff game in over 10 years. It is 11 years to be exact. Red October is back in Philadelphia. The Phillies will take on the Cardinals in the National League Wild Card Round, a three-game series that begins Friday. Well, they will play three straight days if necessary. The Phillies were able to clinch on Monday night with a win against the Astros, a spectacular performance by Aaron Nola. We will get into all of it the week that led up to them clinching said playoff spot. We will discuss some Eagles in the back end of this podcast who went down early against the Jacksonville Jaguars and came back in, in dominant fashion, forcing five turnovers. The defense, once again, stands tall. Some given, some earned. But nonetheless, the Eagles get that win, and they are 4-0. They are the only undefeated team left in the National Football League. So there is plenty of reason to be excited and be happy about what is going on in Philadelphia sports it has been a long time since we've had multiple teams to be excited about at the same time. And we even have the Sixers who are coming out of their hibernation and preseason games have begun and, and gotten underway. We're getting to see the likes of P.J. Tucker, Montrezl Harrell, and Sixers uniforms for the first time. And we are getting to see James Harden and Joel Embiid back for their first full season together. So there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to be excited about here in the city of Philadelphia. First, we must discuss our playoff-bound Philadelphia Phils, who were coming off or rebounding from their second sweep by the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs swept us for the second time this season, once at home and now once in their barn. Phils were in all of those games. They just they could not muster any sort of offense. Three runs the entire series, finishing off with getting shut out in the series finale. It was a day game. Suarez got hit around. It wasn't good. Okay, so we go. So after that, we have to pick ourselves up, you know, brush ourselves off, travel out to Washington. Washington has kind of been a safe haven for the Phils so far this season. They were able to dominate the Nats all season long. Nats finished with a 55 and 107 record, so we weren't the only team to come out and dominate the Nats, but they were not a good team, and the Phillies. We talked about all season. We're able to capitalize against a lot of the bad teams in the majors. Not the Cubs, but teams like the Nationals and you know even the Marlins they were able to beat up on for certain parts of this season. So the Phils traveled to Washington. They took care of business. Three of four. Games kind of were getting moved around left and right here, getting called early and, and things of that nature due to the hurricane passing up through the East Coast. Hurricane Ian that ravaged the state of Florida. Thoughts and prayers to everyone out there that had to deal with that. Shout out to my man Ty who actually got lucky in St. Petersburg with it not really doing the damage that it possibly could have had the hurricane turned one way or the other. But the Phil's dominant in the la especially those last two games. That 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 early game on Saturday afternoon was not good. Thirteen to four, they just got hit around all night long, or or all day long, I should say. And they take care of business. I mean, three or four, you're not going to sweep them every single time you go out there. But 
three of four is quite the consolation prize. I will take that, especially during this part of the season. And then they go to Houston, and they are at the point where they need one game to solidify their playoff spot. The Brewers did everything they could to make this as easy as possible as it could be for us. They blew games left and right against the Marlins at home. Uh, we, we, we talked about it on here. The, uh, I talked about it on here. The Brewers were not a legitimate threat. They should not have even been in this race to begin with down the stretch in September. But the, the hole that the Phillies had put themselves in early in the season and the way they had played in most of September had allowed the Brewers to kind of hang around here for a while and stick around in this race. They, they were able to win some games they probably shouldn't have, and the Phillies were losing games they should not have. You know, games against the Cubs, things of that nature. And the Brewers eventually were going to show you who, exactly who they were and who they had been all season long. They were doomed when they made that trade in July. I have been screaming that from the mountaintops since it happened when they traded Josh Hader. It was just a signifier that we were done. We were quitting on the season and whatever happens, happens. But it was kind of the Andy McPhail. If, if we make it, we make it. If we don't, we don't. That's, that's, it seemed like from the outside looking in that that was their mentality. Obviously, the Craig Councils and the people in that clubhouse didn't believe that. But it seemed like their front office thought that. And I definitely thought that from the outside looking in. But they blow two horrific games against the Marlins beginning on October 1st and October 2nd. Involving a, a you know, where eighth inning and on... The Marlins and Brewers were locked in a tight game, and they wound up blowing it. I believe the first game ended in a – well, not ended in, but the, the, the deciding factor was a De La Cruz single out to left field that got booted by Yelich and, and scores two runs, and that wins them that game. And then I think the, the second game went to extras and involved a Miguel Rojas single that scored the, the, you know, the winning run in the 12th inning, and then the Marlins were able to shut the door. So the Brewers ultimately showed you who they were, and they weren't able to take care of business against the teams that the Phillies had been taking care of business against, which were, for the most part, the sub-500 and bad teams in the major leagues. And that is ultimately what did the Brewers in, because the Phillies gave the Brewers every possible opportunity to get back in this thing and possibly make the playoffs, because the Phillies, like we had talked about on here, had... Let the Brewers hang along or hang around for way, way, way too long, and and it was starting to get a, a it was starting to get very uncomfortable. But luckily, I mean, listen, I know that a lot of people are saying that the Phillies didn't, or I saw some people saying the Phillies did essentially kind of back into this playoff spot due to the fact that how the Brewers played down the stretch and kind of they blew it. I mean, they they did enough to stay in the race, but they wound up blowing it towards the end because the Phillies were kind of handing them the opportunity to you know, tie the race and stay in it at a certain point when they're losing games to the Cubs. But they didn't take care of business, and the Phillies did. And then they go to Houston in a series where you thought all, all the chips are stacked against them and that the, you know, even though the Astros had won all those games and they weren't exactly starting all their starters, they still had Verlander throwing. They still had Framber Valdez throwing. Not to mention that they threw Lance McCullers in the first game. So they were throwing their top dogs against us. And the chips, you know, if had it been a tie or we needed to, you know, the magic number was two or was a little bit closer than, you know, they can't make a mistake and we had just have to win one game to make in the playoffs, it could have gotten real sketchy there for a little bit. 
But the Phillies had done enough before that, and we had talked about how they needed to do enough before they got to Houston so that that Houston series wasn't a make-or-break, life-or-death situation. And they still had to win a game. They still had to take care of business, but they took care of business themselves as opposed to having to hope that the Brewers lost. And they did wind up losing one of those games to the Diamondbacks, but they took care of business themselves. They took it upon themselves to end this thing and send the Phillies to the playoffs for the first time in 11 years. And that happened because Aaron Nola, that's big game Knowles to some of you, including myself, because I have been a detractor and a hater for some time now, and honestly, rightfully so, because this man, time and time again in the month of September and down the stretch, has folded and collapsed season after season. And when we needed him the most the other night, he came through big time, throwing six and I think a third or two, I think six and two-thirds of perfect baseball. The man did not allow a runner until the seventh inning. You had home runs. You had two home runs from Schwarber in the biggest game of the season. You had a home run from Bryson Stott, and that was enough. That's all that mattered. You got Alvarado in the game. He comes in, throws an inning of an inning and a third. Electric stuff. Still has that electric stuff, and he has been absolutely unbelievable since they called him back up from AAA. I think he has a sub two ERA since he's been called up. The control is back. He's still throwing in the hundreds, high high nineties. Stuff with movement. Just easily, the probably the best lefty coming out of the pen right now in the playoffs. And you can debate that all you want, but I would take him and stack him up against anyone else that you're going to name. Alvarado, like I said, an inning and a third, he strikes out three. Then they bring in Eflin in the sort of symbolic, most perfect way to send our fills back to the playoffs. A guy who had been on this team since 2016, who had seen some ugly ugly seasons here in Philadelphia who had had rough years he'd had some solid good years he'd had injury plague seasons he had seasons where he was moved to the bullpen like this year and he comes into the game in the ninth and throws a perfect inning and goes to goes to battle with the last hitter for the Astros and ultimately gets him to fly out to center field to Brandon Marsh and the Phillies Secure their playoff spot. They are the sixth and final playoff spot in the National League playoffs. They are the third and final wild card. And they are moving on to play the St. Louis Cardinals in the wild card round, uh, the first round of the of the playoffs. I will say, it, I didn't know how good it was going to feel when they finally did get into the playoffs, but it felt like this this rush of relief and happiness for a team that I, I, you know, all of us out there have put so much time, energy, and love into, and they haven't given us much. I mean, in, in the last decade, when when the Phillies were good, and that was from 2007 to 2011, those were some of the best sports memories I'll ever have in my life. And I will tell my children, I'll tell anyone when I'm in a rocking chair if I'm blessed to get there, how. How truly, like, how blessed I was to see Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, a perfect season from Brad Lidge, Jason Worth, uh, you know, Carlos Ruiz. Uh, it just, you know, even Pedro Feliz came up big whenever we needed him. JC Romero, you can name all these guys that played integral. Ryan Madsen, huge parts. Jamie Moyer, Brett Myers, all these guys. Played a huge role in winning that World Series eventually, but 
that was the greatest error of Philly sports that I got to experience while I was really in my heyday. The when the Eagles were making their NFC Championship run, I was still a wee lad. You know, I, I was seven, eight years old, nine years old. It, I didn't get to appreciate that experience as much as I later on got to experience that Phillies run. And that Phillies run was I just it's just spectacular. Jimmy Rollins hitting it into the gap against the, against the Dodgers to just steal a, a, a victory out of the jaws of defeat against the Dodgers, who we seemed to just have their number come the playoffs. You have guys like Matt Stairs just rolling him off the bench and hitting a nuke into the night. Way deep, way out of here, as Joe Buck sadly spiked his mic off the table. It, it You think about all those things and, and how great it was then and the, the way that that ended, you know, making trades, having a pitching rotation that had guys like Roy Holiday, who's one of the greatest pitchers I've ever seen, Cliff Lee, a consummate professional, uh, would just the quickest pitcher you've ever seen. He would quick he would pitch the quickest game every time out there. Cole Hamels, Roy Oswalt we got towards the end of his run, but Roy Oswalt was still a solid, solid pitcher in his time. We have a, a four-man rotation like that, and we lose in a five-game series against these St. Louis Cardinals that we are going to play this week that have guys still, 11 years later, like Adam Wainwright, who pitched that game against Roy Holiday, the, the final game, a one nothing loss. Yadier Molina, who is still catching for the St. Louis Cardinals all these years later, and not to mention a 42-year-old Albert Pujols, who is now over 700 home runs, who's been hitting juiced baseballs all season long, who in between here and there has went, went to Los Angeles because God told him and not the $300 million that he wound up getting from the Los Angeles Angels and becoming a, a grotesque uh, albatross of a contract, which wound up getting him cut at a certain point, going to the Dodgers, um, doing some things there, and then coming back to St. Louis and reviving his pretty much uh, light, you know, life alert uh, hospice-like career. And now he's back and he's DHing and he's a huge part of what they have going on there. So it has been a long road that we have all had to endure. Just think about some of the names that you saw out, out there during these 10, 11 years, the Michael Martinez's of the world. Shout out to Michael Franco, Cody Ashey, uh, Nick Williams, uh, John Mayberry Jr., Darren Ruff. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Jared Eikhoff, Nick Pavetta. Just some of these names where you thought this is going to be the year. Every time March, if this guy has a good year and this guy has a good year, then maybe we can do 100 Miles Giles. Remember when he was a thing? It, it's just... You could go on and on. Tommy Joseph, who had like 75 concussions. You, you could just, like I said, the list goes on and on of all these guys who came and went and had these careers where we had so much, so much promise and so much hope for them, and they just, it, it, they never lived up to that expectation or they never were able to come together and get the Phillies back to a spot where they could even be returned to a respectful and not not laughing stock organization and franchise in, in, in the major leagues. It, for a while, we were a joke, and rightfully so, we were. We, we, we had 
the best five-year run that this franchise had ever seen. And and then it just quickly dissipated. It went away. And it, it seemed like so long ago when you were in 2016 when Zach Eflin made his, made, made his debut. And, and it just seemed like we, we were never going to return to these days where we were going to be – where tomorrow, like we are going to have a playoff game tomorrow. We're, there's going to be excitement in the air. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel th- that electricity flowing through my body again where we're in, we're in another, another, per, another team's barn and that place is going nuts and we have to go in there and steal their souls. Now this whole comeback and this whole return to glory and sort of somewhat return to re- respectability for the Philadelphia Phillies pretty much began when Bryce Harper decided to come to Philadelphia. In the late winter... Early spring of 2019, Bryce Harper, you know, the, the, the free agent market didn't exactly play out probably how he thought it was going to and how a lot of people thought it was going to. Never really had a real expectation when the season ended in 2018 that Bryce Harper would come to actually decide to come to Philadelphia. But through the swaying of John Middleton, Matt Klentek, I guess, getting his feet held to the fire because the guy never wanted to actually spend money on uh, good actual free agents he would rather wait for Jake Arrieta to be cheap and sign Carlos Santana and things like that the guy loved putting band-aids on bullet wounds and uh, getting my arm cut off and he would slap a nice little band-aid on there that's not going to do much Matt this coincided with bringing in JT Romuto all right and they already had Reese Hoskins in there they made the trade for Gene Segura they eventually make the signings this past year for Castellanos and Schwarber. They had already had Aaron Nola, who was one of their drafted guys, same with Hoskins, who were kind of mainstays that had seen a lot of the bad stuff and had been a part of a lot of the bad seasons. In 2020, you bring in Zach Wheeler, who had had some good, solid years with the Mets, but you never knew what he was going to be, and he wasn't exactly at the highest uh, of the totem pole when it came to free agent pitchers that season, but he wound up being a pretty good signing by the Phils. A guy who's had a sub-3 ERA in all three seasons with the Philadelphia Phillies, including that 2020 season that I don't like to count, but in this case, I will. And you can add amongst all the different moves, draft picks, and different pieces that have come up along the years to build this into what it is, which is an 87 win, a year that did not live up to the hype. And I haven't even mentioned the fact that Joe Girardi was fired in June of this season. Joe Girardi, when we, when we got him, we thought that that was going to be the best thing that could happen to this team. A guy who had won manager of the year in his first year as a major league manager. A guy who had been a catcher in the major leagues for over 14 seasons. Played for a bunch of different organizations. Won four championships with the Yankees. Three as a player. uh, Being a part of some of the greatest Yankee teams that had ever been assembled. And that's saying a lot. When you look at the the history and just the legendary names that have been involved with the New York Yankees. And then he also wins a championship as as the manager of the New York Yankees in 2009. He had been a manager for 15 plus years. And it, it, begun, it began to seem hopeless when even he couldn't get this thing right. He wasn't even the guy, the answer, the thing that we needed. 
didn't seem like he gave a shit. Uh, you know, we, we he had his way of doing things. It didn't really seem like he had that fire or that that lust for winning the same way he had before that that fiery guy that was in New York that would that would get the guys going. It just didn't seem like it really mattered to him. It seemed like he was content with what was going on. And eventually on June 3rd of this year, 2022, Joe Girardi was let go of his position. And Rob Thompson, his bench coach, was promoted and he became the manager. And the Phillies won 14 of their next 16 games after that. And the rest is history. They went on a run through the summer. They had some road bumps and some some stops here and there. But all in all, the Phillies wind up getting to the playoffs for the first time in over a decade. And we are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. It feels so good. And like I, I just said, I hope you can hear it in my voice. I am so excited to be just alive and here to watch the Phillies in the playoffs again. And the, the good thing is here, I'm not really thinking about well, well, are they going to win the championship or how far could this thing actually go? Are we going to really just get to, are we going to get too worked up about this? Like it doesn't matter. All we can focus on is tomorrow. And then after tomorrow, we focus on the next day and just getting a win and moving on because once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. All right. When we made it in 2007, we were, we were hot. We were a hot, hot baseball team. And we ran into a team that was just white nuclear hot coming into the coming into the playoffs, and that was the Colorado Rockies. They ran through the National League playoffs, then had to sit for a more than a week. I think it was a week and a half, and got swept by the by the Red Sox. So it, that no one, especially before the season, and then definitely in the playoffs, thought that the that the Rockies were going to be that team to go to the World Series. No one thought that. And no one thinks the Phillies are going to be that team. But my point is anything can happen and anything is possible. So let's specifically lock in on what we are up against this upcoming weekend. That being obviously the St. Louis Cardinals three-game series. We will have Wheeler on the mound game one, Nola on the mound game two. And you can speculate, but I would assume Ranger Suarez will be on the mound for game three if necessary, if we have to play that game on Sunday night. The Cardinals uh, on FanDuel are listed to be throwing Jose Quintana in Game 1. And Game 2, I cannot find who they would have starting. It seems like there's a lot of speculation both on Twitter and in various articles that I've read. It seems like Miles Mikolas will be the second starter for that for the said game. And I think guys like Wayne Wright... Uh, you know, are going to be considered, uh, you know, especially if there's a game three. They're talking about, you know, their their managers talking about using their starters out of the pen. Guys like Jordan Montgomery are an option. Like I said, Quintana, you know, Jack Flaherty has been a high-quality starter in the past, but this year hasn't exactly got to pitch the amount of games that he would have liked to. I know that the outfield for... The Cardinals is a little banged up. I know Tyler O'Neill is going to be, you know, out missing missing games, which will include the entire wild card round. I mean, they obviously traded Harrison Bader. They're going to have Dylan Carlson out there, who seemingly just caught everything every time we played them this season. He, he's one of the best defensive outfielders I had seen 
They obviously have Paul Goldschmidt, who should win the National League MVP. They have Nolan Arenado, who is, you know, you can argue back and forth, but he's definitely a top 10, top 15 player in the majors. They still have Pulhos, who's on the hottest of hot streaks that anyone has been on this season, hitting 270, 24 home runs, and has 100% revived his ancient career at the age of 42. Listen, this is the matchup we wanted. So the matchup I wanted going into this whole playoff situation. I didn't want to play the Braves because that's how it was lined up initially. If I had to stack it up against the possible opponents that we would have had, it would have been Braves least, least that I want to play, then the Mets, then the Cardinals. I think, I think we match up well against the Cardinals. I think you know our, our prior success shows that we've done well against them. We we won the series against them this season, four three. We it's a close it's a close matchup. I'm not going to say that it's going to be an easy series or that we are head and shoulders above these guys. That is not the case at all. But we have a better chance of winning this series than we would have against the Mets, lining up against Scherzer and Degrom, and even Chris Bassett, who it seemed like. Had our number all season long. He didn't exactly have the most electric stuff in the world, but he would just figure out ways to get us out. He'd go five and six, five or six innings strong and get out of there without really being touched up, you know? He'd get out of jams all game long. It's just the Mets didn't the Mets had our number. I mean, we blew a six seven run lead against them. That that's one of the worst losses I've ever seen as a Phillies fan. I don't want anything to do with them, you know? I don't want anything to do with either the Braves either. The Braves have been... I've never seen a team get as hot as they have, it seems like. They've been unstoppable in the second half of this season. So we got the best matchup that we possibly could have. The St. Louis Cardinals. Best of three in St. Louis. I think we have a, a, a better lineup by a small fraction. I think we have better starters... And I think their bullpen is better. Their bullpen is nasty. They have a lot of guys out of the pen that could really, uh, you know, if they get a lead, they get up on us and they go to that sixth, seventh inning and they start throwing some of them guys like Jordan Hicks and and Helsey or however you say his name. He, you know, then them guys, some of them guys are nasty. I know he's got like a finger issue right now, but I, I was reading that they say he's going to be ready to go. I just think we match up well. FanDuel will tell you, and, and the odds will tell you, that we are right there. We are a slight underdog at plus 108 to win this series, and we're a favorite to win game one. Like I said, I'll take Nola against whoever they line up against him, and I'll take Zach Wheeler against whoever they line up against him as well. That is a tough, potent top two guys to throw in a playoff series, and it gives us a chance to compete with pretty much anyone that you line up against them. Uh, if I, I do think the Phillies will win this series. And that might be the fan of me talking. I, I can't help it. I haven't really been super biased fanboy all season long. But just uh, this is what I asked for. and This is what I wanted and we got it. And the, Car- the Cardinals are a very uh, beatable team. They're just not a dominant division winner like you would have seen some of these, like like the Dodgers and like the Braves. This Cardinals team is not the same as those. They are not as dangerous. They don't have the same firepower, not, not only on the pitching rotation, but in the lineup that those other teams do. 
And if you go by odds of these wildcard playoff matchups, us and the Rays are tied for the most likely of an underdog, like the closest uh, odds for an underdog to kind of pull the upset. And, you know, that that's that's totally fine by me. That's in good that's good company to be in. You can draw some comparisons or parallels to the matchups. Guardians and Cardinals are a similar team. Us and the Rays, the Rays were in a much I mean, we both are in tough, tough divisions. And we've had to earn our stripes all season long. And we've gotten to this point and now, you know, we are a tough out in the playoffs, both of both of these teams against a division winner that was kind of in, in soft divisions, you could argue, uh, especially with the Cardinals, with their closest competitor being the Brewers, who honestly were more of a competition than the White Sox were, who wound up finishing 11 games behind the Guardians and just completely collapsing down the stretch. Uh, you know, the, these are just good matchups, and, and good, it's good company to be in. I like the Phillies in this matchup. And I think we are 100% going to be be able to compete so long as we hit the ball. Uh, I think our pitching will give us a chance. But, uh, you know, at times this season, our offense has gone stagnant and has just been nowhere to be found. And I really hope that it doesn't happen come Friday afternoon and Saturday night. This is These are just big, big, big. This is huge. This is huge. We are back. And I, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am. So hopefully... The Phils give us something to cheer about on Friday night or Friday afternoon shit and Saturday night and we could wrap that up and then we could go take care of the Braves and we could match up with the Braves in a playoff series for the first time in my lifetime and I'll have to deal with my friends uh, who are Braves fans. I have a few of them. God bless. So uh, hopefully that's a good problem to have and we can deal with that when the time comes. So that's our Phillies talk. We can move on now to our Birds who went down 14-zip on Sunday afternoon in a game that, you know, like I said with the Phillies, this is a game that was also remnants and effects from that hurricane coming up the East Coast. It was an ugly day out there. Rain coming in sideways, wind gusts up to 20, 30 miles an hour. Hard to throw the ball in. Uh, you know, slip, obviously slippery. The ball was easily fumbled off the rip. Beginning of the game, we, we, we start with a deflection interception that's returned to the house by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then later, you know, we can't, we can't get the offense going early in the game. And Trevor Lawrence leads a drive down the field, punches one in. Jaguars up 14-zip in the first quarter. And you saw all of the nonsense start to, start to fester online. A lot of the idiots and, you know, of course, Cowboy fans. But just people saying, oh, wow, we knew the birds were fraudulent. Uh, you know, here goes your Eagles. You know, this, this, is, this is what y'all are saying is the best team in the, in, in the National Football League. Uh, look at this. Look at these guys. Yada, yada, yada. They kept going and going and going. But the Eagles stayed the course. They did not lose focus. They did not panic. And that, a lot of that has to do with the leadership in this locker room. Starts at the top with Nick Sirianni, and if and it goes down. And when you have a guy like Jalen Hurts at your quarterback as your leader, a guy who the team, all the players rally behind, will play for. They believe in what he's saying. They they believe everything he does. He he leads by example. He works harder than everyone else. You are never out of a football game like that, and you it, it is easy 
to make comebacks like that. And it's easy to never give up and never quit on the guy to your left or right. Jalen Hurts has proved me wrong 100% so far this season. And this game isn't even a game where I was like, oh, wow, like he's obviously cooking them from the pocket. He's been unbelievable so far. This is an ugly, rainy game where throwing the ball wasn't exactly the number one option and things were not going his way, you know? It's just like that, that interception early on wasn't necessarily his fault. Kind of just a ball that pinballed off of a guy and they took it to the house. What Jalen Hurts has shown me this season is how incredible he is as a leader of men and how he can get these guys to rally behind him and believe in what is being sold. Jalen Hurts, in games where he's had to, has thrown the ball. In games where he has run, has run the ball. Now, obviously, I have my little things that I'm not you know, thrilled with with not only his play but the the play of the whole team the offense going stagnant for portions of the sea, uh, portions of the game and that's things like that are upsetting and they can be you know you can be worrisome but at the end of the day the eagles are 4 and out and at halftime of that game or you know especially at the end of that first quarter teams were were right in the obituary of the eagles uh, no not even not teams i'm saying people online and, and reporters and fans and Things of that nature were writing the obituary. It's already, oh yeah, they, they this, they're just like everyone else. They stink. Well, what are we, what are we all worried about? These guys aren't that good. But come the second quarter, the Eagles started to run the ball right down Jacksonville's throat, and they going into this game, they had the number one rush defense, and they knew really that the Eagles couldn't throw the ball as much as they would have liked to. Raining, ugly weather, windy, tough to catch, tough to throw. And, you know, you could have focused in a little bit more on the run game. Didn't matter. Our offensive line, you lost a left tackle. Didn't matter. They ran it right down their throat, whether that be Miles Sanders, whether that be Jalen Hurts, even a touchdown from Kenneth Gainwell. Two touchdowns from Miles Sanders. They proceeded to score 29 unanswered points in this game. 29. And just kind of left Jacksonville in the dust by the middle of the fourth quarter. They were just dominating all sides of the ball. Five turnovers were forced, an interception, and four fumbles. Now, you could blame that on the rain and all that, but we didn't fumble the ball. They did. We capitalized. They didn't. That's what it comes down to. That's what winning football, that's how football games are won. You can make all the excuses in the world. Both teams had to play in the same conditions. One team was able to take care of business. The other team was not. The other team folded. That's that. That, that, it was as simple as that for me. And I love seeing Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders had one of the best games of his career on Sunday going 27 rushes. It was good to see him get that many touches. 27 rushes, 134 yards, and two touchdowns to go along with two catches and 22 yards. Great, great, great day for Mr. Sanders. Even Hurts, 16 rushes and 38 yards. Things were you know not as easy to find in the passing game, and things weren't flourishing as much as we would have hoped or liked. But they they got it done. You know, they got it done. That's what that's how it's done. Things are not always going to go your way in a football season. That is what Mr. Sirianni talks about when he talks about dog mentality. Things are not going to go your way all the time. It's how you respond to those things. It's how you bounce back when things are not going your way. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. 
and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. I know you all heard that one before. And that's what the Eagles season has been so far, and especially this game on Sunday. This is a resilient bunch, and they resemble a team that is 100% in that Super Bowl conversation and in the hunt to play play for the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. As it stands now, they are the best team in the, in the NFC. They have the best record in the National Football League. And I believe I've heard that they would only be not favored against two teams on a neutral field in all of football. The Bills and the Chiefs. I will take that right now. 100%. You will not hear a complaint from me. Sign me up. All day long, and I'll take our offensive line, our defensive line over anyone of those teams or anyone that we can match up with. Our defense is playing spectacularly. Only gave up 14 points again this this past week. Our offense is doing its thing, running the ball when it needs to. Like I said, throwing the ball when it needs to. We have weapons all over the field. This team is just built for a run. It is a, a team of destiny, it seems like. And if Jalen Hurts can continue to do his thing, continue to grow, continue to play well from the pocket, continue to play well as a quarterback, then the sky is the limit for the Eagles. It truly is. And we we talked about it all offseason. Anyone I had on here, it was all about the growth that Jalen Hurts could show. And not only has he shown it on the field, he's shown it off the field. He always had it off the field, but it's more believable when you are that dude on the field. They buy into what you're saying. If you stink, then people are just, okay, he's just talking the talk. Not really taking him seriously and things of that nature. But now he's playing well. He's an MV, you know, he, he was an MVP candidate. He still is. Still early on in the year, but he, he he's right there in the race. You can get that man at plus, what, plus 550? He's fourth in the race. You got Josh Allen, who is uh, ahead by a little bit, and then... These three guys are kind of neck and neck with a plus 500 for Pat Mahomes, plus 550 for Lamar Jackson, plus 550 for Jalen Hurts. And then the next closest is Justin Herbert, who hasn't exactly played. He's had injuries, and he his team hasn't really played well, so that's not really a viable option at this point right now. So he's right there in the hunt. He's, he's legit, and it makes everything he's saying more believable, and it, has, it makes the team buy in even that much more. We have a game this weekend against the Arizona Cardinals. It is a, a, a Cardinal destruction weekend. We are taking out all Cardinals in all sports. If Louisville or Stanford wants, want the smoke, we'll, we'll, we'll give them some of that too. But we are anti-Cardinal all weekend. We don't like red birds. It is that simple. Five-point favorites. I like the Eagles' chances. They are on the road. This is a game where things could, you know, in theory, not go your way. Look ahead to a big game next week against Dallas. But when you're 4-0, you're not really looking ahead of anything. Arizona has kind of been up and down all season long. Win against the Panthers last week, but the Panthers are not really that good. And the Raiders, who also are not really that good at 1-3. and three. And they lost to the Chiefs in a kind of a blowout. And the Rams game was close, but not, you know, it, they really weren't going to win that game. And their offense kind of got shut down. I could see... Our defense shutting them down and us winning a game, you know, similar us scoring in the 20s, uh, mid to high 20s, and winning a game 28 to 20, 
28-17, 25-7-something along those lines. But I think the Eagles do get it done this weekend. I don't think Arizona, you know, especially without D-Hop, and they've not looked that great. Uh, weather won't be a, a factor out in Arizona this week, so we get to see our passing game probably flourish a little bit more. We'll see if we're able to run the ball like we did last week. I'm confident. I'm confident. Until I see otherwise, I have no reason to say something else or believe that something else is going to happen. And my 13-4 and four is alive and well. So why would I go anywhere else or why would I believe in anything else? Go Birds. Go Phils. I'm all in. I'm all in. Redbird Destruction Weekend. And the Sixers last night, they had a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was a, uh, what's it called? Preseason game. So at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. Uh, Donovan Mitchell playing for the for the Cavs now. But you got to see the boys out there a little bit. You got to see P.J. Tucker working hard for rebounds. You know, grit and grind. That's what this guy's going to provide for the team. It looks like Tyrese Maxey has been that dude so far in, in these preseason games. Uh, 20 and 21. I mean, in 13 and 15 minutes. Last night he scored. He played 15 minutes. He scored 21 points. The night before, or the game before, scored 20 points against the Brooklyn Nets in 13 minutes. You, you know, I, I, you're talking about three of three from three, two of four from three. Uh, he's not really, you know, he turned the ball over a little bit more than he did the first game. But again, it's preseason. Not really going to get too worked up. But I just would like to have point, like to point out that it looks like Tyrese Maxey has taken that next step in his development, and I am very excited to see what he's going to do this season. And I'm not, again, not going to get too worked up about preseason and all that, seeing like, oh, well, what's James Harden look like? I'll, I'll focus on when the regular season starts, and I'll start getting worked up then. Flyers should be starting soon, too. So they'll be fun for about three games before you realize that they are going to suck the way we think they're going to suck. And Tortorella is just going to be fun by yelling at reporters and throwing chairs and shit like that. So I really hope I'm wrong about all that, but I I just have no faith in that whatsoever. So that will do it for the Hot Take Hot Box Red October edition. Go Phils, go Eagles. Uh, I'll probably bounce up back here. It'll probably be another episode, maybe on Friday night possibly, or maybe even do a live stream about the game. I'm thinking about doing some shit just because a Friday afternoon game, it should be fun to watch. Uh, So we shall see. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the episodes this week and next week.